Always, dude. I stay ready. <laughs> All right. Well, welcome to uh, Beyond the Workouts podcast. I'm the head coach of Beyond Strength Endurance, Kyle Holman, and uh, got a special guest with us today. Uh, met this guy online and um, had several chats. And it's just been uh, good to talk through stuff. So this is uh, Matt, the owner of Primal Mobility. And uh, we're going to chat about some things kind of from two different aspects, kind of from the strength and conditioning side on, on my end, and then the kind of mobility and movement side um, from Matt's uh, point of view there with his company. So um, basically we're going to dive in today is kind of uh, some topics I've uh, come across in all the years of my coaching. So one of them is, you know, kind of the difference between discomfort, pain, and injury. Um, the uh, kind of delayed gratification versus instant gratification things that we see a lot, not only in our society, but in training. Um, and then really just want to dive in. Um, I know I've had some things uh, in uh, becoming a strength coach and learning more. Just going to chat with Matt about, you know, as he's learned more in mobility and movement, how has that affected his own uh, training and things that he does? So uh, let's get rolling here. So um, yeah, man, one thing that I see a lot in, in all the years of coaching is, um, you know, when to, when, when we have an injury and we need to shut something down, or is this just, discomfort you know discomfort to me I always joke at my age if I woke up and uh, didn't have some ache or pain I would think I was dead uh, but uh, you know you challenge yourself enough in training there's going to be some discomfort here or there um, and you might have something that's painful where okay you know I might have tweaked something here and I need to back off of something a little bit or avoid a little bit um, and then hopefully very rarely do we experience an injury but um, what I always tell people is there's always a way to continue with your consistent training uh, sometimes it's like, oh man, my shoulder is bothering me. So I'm going to take two weeks off. Eh, well, <laughs> that's going to be hard to stay consistent um, with that. Um, and unfortunately, there's been some times too, where I feel like doctors are the ones who are saying like, oh, you have knee pain. Okay. Don't squat for a month mm. um, and stuff like that. So I guess kind of what, uh, what are your thoughts on those things? And what have you seen in, in, um, in that aspect? Well, first of all, thanks for having me on, dude. Appreciate it. I'm stoked yeah, to have this conversation. I know that you have a lot of experience in the industry. So I think that kind of our varying perspectives are going to be uh, an opportunity for a really cool conversation. My thoughts on injury and pain and discomfort, like that's, that's like a big topic, right? There's a lot of shit that falls into that. Right. So my first initial thought is that when we start looking at the fact that athletes or individuals are looking to train at a at a particular level they're looking to push themselves and um you know loading movement patterns uh anything over 70 percent right like we're looking at the fact that these individuals are looking are performing at a relatively high level right in comparison to what the average individual is doing sure. when you're training at that level injuries and discomfort and pain are part of the process. It's inevitable that you're going to experience some level of injury, some level of pain and whatever, right? However, I will accept that and take that and happily go through those inevitable injuries in the exchange for what the opposite is, is feeling discomfort and pain from muscle atrophy and lack of bone density and injuries from falling because I have shit balance and yeah. whatever else. Right. So uh, injuries, pain, discomfort, it's inevitable with performance. And I think that, as you said, there's, there's definitely a lot of people who will naturally take time off from the gym due to avoid 
further injuring or potentially exacerbating the symptoms or prolonging that discomfort. And as you said, I do think that there are a lot of opportunities to continue training through that process. But one of the main things is that we need to kind of shift our expectations and shift the perspective and intention that we have with the training during those times. So maybe now as opposed to progress, maybe now we're looking at maintenance and we need to shift what progress looks like, right? So in many cases, progress for a lot of athletes will look like more weight on the barbell. That's not always the case, right? If you can, act, if you understand training, progress can look a thousand different ways. Yep. You just truly need to understand what you're looking for and how, like uh, angle your lens a little bit to be able to see it in the right light, right? Yep. So the way I see it is that there's multiple different ways that we can approach training through injury. So that can look something like trying to maintain the stimulus. So for example, if knee uh, squats, they fire up knee pain, they trigger knee pain for me. That doesn't mean I need to completely get rid of squats. Maybe now I just need to find a way to maintain that stimulus. So continue to find a way to do that pattern, but in a way that's not going to trigger that pain. So maybe that looks like split squats or right. Like maybe it's a different type of pattern. Yeah. Or a similar pattern that's just going to not trigger that pain. Or we're going to now find a way to still engage in, and uh, apply a stimulus to the muscles that would be built through that pattern in a different way. That yeah. doesn't I mean, that could it. also be, right, like static uh, holds or uh, tempo Right, work. isometrics. Uh, you know, you can back off the weight, but go through tempo um, to get through that. The mindset thing that you bring up is such a, a huge piece of this, right? Because uh, I think that's sometimes the most frustrating thing when you have an ache or a pain, like you're like, uh, like, you know, otherwise I feel good and I want to hit this hard, but I, but I can't right now. So that's a, that's a very good point to bring up of, you know, shifting your mindset and changing, um, you know, your expectations of, of what training is about right now. Yeah. I think a lot of athletes will also be stubborn through that process too. Right. And I mean, that's kind of, that's not necessarily a bad thing in my perspective because being stubborn is what helps them perform at the level that they do. Right. And this is obviously referring to really high level athletes being stubborn and working hard and pushing through discomfort. That's how they got to where they are. Right. Right. However, if we're talking about people who are just like weekend warriors or just literally want to train strength for life, there's different ways to go about it. And we want to try to avoid that stubbornness. So to kind of take a step back and look at discomfort versus pain, because those two can be kind of like easily confused the way we describe it. And the way we educate coaches on it is that discomfort is anything below a three or a four on the scale of 10. As soon as you go above that, we're starting to approach the realm of pain. Right. And, you know, working through pain can definitely have its benefits predominantly in a rehab protocol predominantly yeah. in a rehab perspective. Now, a lot of us are not rehab professionals, maybe not physical therapists or whatever the case is. So we don't want to instill pain through movement. Now, there's a lot of different reasons as to why we wouldn't want to do that. And that's 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 my personal bias because what we do is affected by pain, right? So we try to limit the amount of pain. And, and one of our golden rules are actually the golden rule at primal mobility is never approach pain. So um, I could dive into the nuances as to why we talk so deep about that. But well, I think it's a, it's a good education process too, for people that you got to accumulate some training hours 
to understand the difference between these things. Um, I mean, I remember I was working with a volleyball uh, club and it was like, you know, 12 to 18s. And uh, so some of the, especially these 12 year olds really hadn't done any type of real training yet. And of course we're just doing kind of body weight uh, strength training, but we're doing air squats and this one girl stopped and I, you know, I'm like, what's up? And she's like, just my legs are burning. I'm like, Mm. okay (laughs) good that's great (laughs) but but, you know for her like that was a learning process right I mean she had never had that occur before so I you know I can imagine now when that first occurs you're like oh man something's Something's wrong yeah um, but you know so I think that is uh, there's only one way to kind of learn that is to experience things and occasionally like you said if you're really trying to push it to a high level you're going to dip over sometimes and there's going to be something that occurs but that's how you start to understand the difference between these things, right? Yeah, that's an interesting perspective. And I know that you and I have had a conversation about younger athletes and dealing with different movement patterns and stuff. And of course, proprioception, like the awareness of where your body is in space goes such a long way with reducing risk of injury, first of all. But that is only developed through practice too. Mm -hmm. So, you know talking about movement patterns and looking at how younger athletes move, the risk of injury is slightly higher just because they don't necessarily know how to move through the patterns appropriately. So trying to load up a squat pattern for somebody who doesn't know how to actually engage their muscles through that squat pattern, it's going to probably look like a bad time at some point, right? (laughs) Um, Although getting them to load that pattern isn't, is, you know, it's kind of like a, it's like a catch 22 because loading that pattern is one thing that's going to improve their proprioception too. Right. Yeah. So anyways, a, that's kind of like yeah. a sidebar, but yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, well, yeah, I think that's a kind of a good segue into kind of speaking about youth and, and kind of what we all deal with in, in this new age society sometimes is, is the biggest, this difference between instant and delayed gratification. Um, mm. There, I saw a, a uh, stat or something the other day that was like, if the video that we've clicked on, whether on our phone or our computer, doesn't load within 10 seconds, the average person gets frustrated and moves on. So, so that's where we're at right now. Like, we're, we're not really I've caught myself doing 10 that. seconds. I know. Well, I'm the same. I mean, it's, <laughs> I'm the <know>. same way. <laughs> um, but when you think about that, it's just amazing how much that has carried over into training, uh, whether we're talking about strength and conditioning or movement and mobility. It's, uh, I mean, people literally, We'll do one workout and like want to look in the mirror and see that they've lost 10 pounds or something. I mean, it's, you know, they want everything to happen so quickly. Um, a good quote I saw the other day was that, you know, discipline is delayed gratification. Hmm. Um, you know, being able to stick with it is discipline, right? And we're, we're going for, for the you know, reward down the road as opposed to um, right now. So I guess kind of speak to that. What have you seen in, in your uh, business with your athletes of uh, how maybe that's affected them or, or even yourself? Well, that's super interesting that you're bringing that up. Um, before I dive into that and answer your question, I was listening to a podcast yesterday with, um, oh my goodness, what's his name? He's an author. It was the, uh, the Modern Wisdom podcast. Are you familiar with that one? Yeah. Yeah, who's so with um oh my goodness, who hosts that? My brain is uh Chris no, Wilcox. Uh yeah, he had Morgan Husel on there. I'd never heard of the guy. He's an author, he has written multiple books, and um one of the concepts that they were talking about in that is that 
uh, dopamine as it is at its highest in the anticipation of something. So what's funny is that we're literally happier thinking about achieving something than we are when we do achieve it. We are happier through the process than when we actually have what we are in the process of trying to achieve, which is mind blowing to think about. Um, yeah, that is that is wild because so many people I feel like want to be a part of the outcome, but not the process. Or you hear all the time like embrace the journey, you know, right about the destination. Right. But yeah, that's mm. that's crazy. And they're just robbing themselves of that all the joy that could come from that entire process, right? So that that was a really interesting. Uh, perspective for me and I've yeah. heard of this kind of like in passing in the past but to hear it the way they they had that conversation was it was very very interesting and uh, it made me think about exactly what we're talking about now so the way I see that like show up in the mobility world in our work with our clients and with our students well we'll start off with the clients because with the students that's like a different problem for sure it's yeah. more like business related and and sure. seeing the results with their clients of course coaches want to see results with their clients instantly because yeah. those clients are putting pressure on them to get results right right <laughs> so something like mobility and movement mechanics these things take a lot of time to improve just like building strength that's something that takes like legitimate strength that takes decades to build right yeah. Like it takes years to actually form like a strong squat, like putting four or five plates on a bar that takes a long ass time. <clears throat> now with mobility, the problems that we're solving generally are pain related or discomfort or less frequently positional related, right? So performance. Um, and with those, those people who have those goals, they're generally high level athletes looking to get an edge on their competition, right? And um, those that are dealing with discomfort, they're limited in what gives them joy and what helps them build confidence in their life. <clears throat> that being said, the, 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 the population we work with is barbell athletes, people who go to the gym and use that as an opportunity to build confidence and to crush their stress and to feel better about themselves in whatever way and feel strong, right? And if that is taken away from them or the ability to do that at the level that they expect of themselves is taken away from them, that's a huge hit on a lot of their psychological uh, makeup, right? So that definitely comes to a point where people expect or not necessarily expect, but they, there's like a deep desire to get rid of that pain and that discomfort almost immediately. Right. And, yeah. you know, before, before, uh, you jump in there, I was just going to say that most people will see mobility training as stretching, just long bouts of <laughs> yeah. stretching. And they're like, it's not working. It's getting really frustrating. And because that's not what mobility training is, that's a component of it. There's a, like, sure. that's one piece of the puzzle, like an ingredient within the recipe, but there's so much more than that. And then once we start actually implementing uh, a strength-based protocol, like progressive overload and getting them to control their movements and engage their muscles, they start to see that there is a result um, relatively quickly. And then there's a lot of joy that comes from that right so <laughs> yeah. uh it's i think it all comes down to reframing expectations and that that comes with uh i think a deeper it comes with wisdom yeah 
Well, and to be, you know, you got to be in this for the long haul. This is like I tell people in training. I mean, this is something that you should want to do for the next, the rest of your life. I mean, there's really uh, people like to use the excuse of age. Well, once I get older, well, that's, you know what? There are a lot of people. I mean, I've, I'm 41 and I'm still hitting PRs and I played a college sport. So, I mean, it's, you know, it can still continue to occur. But I think with a lot of this stuff, a couple of things like, A, when you get an injury, that that from personal experience, it's it's tough to have patience mm. to, you know, if you need to let it completely heal for a minute, then you start the strengthening and, and movement to, you know, find the root of the cause and fix the issue. So hopefully we don't have it again. But that can be frustrating. Like you said, you know, I like to lift heavy. So if there's something that's preventing me from lifting heavy, that's very challenging for me to stay patient while I let that uh, progress. But I think the other thing that people miss with movement and, and mobility is, it should be, you know, kind of the term I heard a long time ago, like prehab, like you should mm. be looking at your movements and, you know, fixing the movement pattern and shoring up the things so that we don't get injured as opposed to a lot of times that uh, it seems like in, in your realm, like people wait till they have an injury and now they come to you and are like, Hey, I have pain. How do we fix this? Um, so I think, that is a whole interesting thing, which I'm sure you come across a lot, but what are, what are your thoughts on that? Of, I just feel like people don't see it as preventative when <clears throat> it, it could be. Yeah. And again, that goes with like the whole gratification situation, right? Like people are generally only going to start actually taking mobility training seriously when there's a problem to be solved. Right. Right. Um, that's the thing. Most people won't come to us until they've been dealing with discomfort to a point where now they're the the pain point is so high that they need to take action on it, or else, you know, or else they're the the frustration and whatever else is going to take over and just be worse than the pain point itself. So that's, that's usually where we get a lot of people coming in is, is at that point where, uh, they haven't, they haven't been feeling their best under the barbell or whatever the case is. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's a lot that can go into it in terms of like delaying gratification and, and whatever else, but they need, I think with things like mobility training, there's no way that we're going to kind of change the way the entire society sees how (laughs) or perceives the world or, you know, how they run through their lives. So um, I think it's our expectations that have changed in terms of like, now we just expect people to come in with pain points as opposed to uh, coming in with the prehab perspective. Although yeah. we, I completely agree with what you're saying is that that's, that's a massive way to prevent injuries is one, improve the movement potential of your joints, improve, increase your movement options, right? So yeah. allow yourself more range of motion, more space to move through, to be able to not get caught in a potentially compromising position in your training. And this stuff will naturally help you engage your muscles better. So you're going to get a better stimulus through your entire squat pattern, for example, and your legs are going to grow better. Your glutes are going to grow better. You're going to feel better during your squats, whatever the case is. And yeah, I completely agree. I think the prehab perspective would be a nice ideal for sure. (laughs) But again, I don't think that's something that we're going to change for people. Like this is just how society sees the world. It's 
there's a problem yeah, especially not holistically but you you can approach it one you know client at a time they come in with pain you help them with that and then hopefully try to change their mindset yeah, on that exactly. moving forward yeah exactly and usually that's the case right like once they start to learn the nuances of mobility training and see that there's it's it's interesting how people will come in they'll perceive one thing being mobility is stretching, whatever else, like, I just don't know what to stretch and how to stretch it. Can you show me how to do it? And then we show them that there's a legitimate strength-based protocol. Like we apply progressive overload. We're getting you active in the positions. We're challenging the mechanics afterwards so that you can actually take the results that you've used or that you've gained through your mobility training and apply them to your, your movement patterns now. And people see that and they're like, this is far more fascinating than I thought it was. And they <laughs> yeah. start to understand the the benefits behind it. And then they carry that off into their life for sure. So yeah. It is one funny because I, I will have uh, people ask me that like in the gym, like they'll be like, you know, my whatever, my shoulders kind of bother me. What stretches should I do? <laughs> like that's, that's usually the first thing everybody asks uh, is yeah. what stretches to do. <laughs> yeah. Interestingly enough, like there's a lot of people who shouldn't be stretching right? Like yeah. hypermobility or just a lack of tension within the joints. Like I'm, I have dislocated my left shoulder, um, roughly seven times. I lost count after the six. So I don't know <laughs> if there was more dislocations or just a bunch of subluxations, but it was at least six times. And there was a ton of discomfort in that shoulder, of course. And the main thing is that it was lacking tension. Now it would just pop yeah. out. No problem. Right. So I started out trying to stretch it because it would relieve the discomfort for that short period of time because my joints were trying to create local stability right. by really tightening up the muscles around it. And my reaction early on and like before I even figured out what mobility training was, was to stretch the shit out of it. And the symptoms obviously never went away. And the, my weakness in that shoulder only got worse. And okay. so what I needed was stability. I needed to increase the tension in the, in the joints, And, uh, you know, that's, that's just me trying to explain that not everyone should be stretching and yeah. more people should be approaching movement in a control based perspective. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, that's, I mean, that really rolls greatly into, um, you know, the last thing we're talking about is, uh, you mentioned, you know, before you learned about your mobility and movement, you know, that's what you're doing. So as you've learned more, so as you've gotten more into, you know, the movement patterns and mobility and all these things, um, I'm curious how that has affected your own training. And I'll kind of frame it with, uh, we had uh, in our gym a while back, we had some uh, movement mobility guys. And uh, what was interesting is that it's like, as the more they learned, sometimes they would be out there and be like, well, my, my left side isn't firing correctly. So I need to do this. And like, it was all these things that it's almost like they kept adjusting. And, and it, it, from my perception, it always is like, man, for mobility guys, you guys seem like you're injured all the time because it was, seemed like they were always modifying training because of some movement pattern or something. And I think it was just in their head, to be honest, they were overthinking mm -hmm. it too much that as the more they learned, the more aware they were of things. And so that was, uh, you know, I think kind of muddy in the water, so to speak. So I guess what's your, yeah. what's your perspective on that? That that sounds like the prime example of informed pessimism, you know, like they, they knew because they're working with so many people are just so conscious of the potential reasons for discomfort, they became almost obsessive over the fact that not 
everything needs to be perfect or not everything was perfect. Right. Um, and as soon as they started becoming more aware of like this being slightly off during this movement, it's like, Oh, I, this is wrong. I can't do this properly. I need to focus on something else or I need to find a different way to approach this or whatever else. One of the things that I've, really focused on over the last six years in my career is focusing on the fact that movement isn't perfect and humans are master compensators and that is to our benefit <clears throat> we don't need like that it's so common for coaches to be like no, no 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 no, too much knee valgus you can't be squatting like or we need to do this and this and wrap a band around your knees and do this and you know whatever else we need to substitute or scale an exercise or regress or whatever my thoughts are that like in the for the most part like of course there that is warranted in many many cases but if it comes down to hyper obsessing over movement patterns and mechanics like the find details of movement mechanics and kind of harping on a client when they're off by a fraction of an inch or something like that. <laughs> that's, that's only going to create more problems. There's no, there's no such thing as flawless mechanics. Anyways, there is no such thing as flawless movement patterns, especially in the real world or in sport, right? Yeah. You're constantly pushed into what is deemed as compromised positions. You're constantly pushed into, or, challenged in spinal flexion when you're picking shit up off the ground in real life your your knees are going to be far over your toes in so many cases or knee valgus when you're like sprinting or um you know cutting corners in football and stuff like that these positions are are you're going to be challenged within them in life and sport anyways so to seriously work incredibly hard to avoid them in your training is only making you more fragile in my opinion in the yeah. in the world of sport and fit and life honestly so the way i see things now is like let's focus more on exposing these often yeah. compromised positions and what are the mechanics of that and why are they often compromised well spinal flexion a lot of people i mean 99% of people have been taught to do deadlifts with a neutral spine. And if you get out of neutral spine, drop the bar, don't even move it. Right. Yep. It's like neutral yep. spine, neutral spine, neutral spine. <laughs> and while that definitely has its merit, like there's, there's a lot of value to doing that. It is a safer position to be lifting in. It makes us very weak in other yep. positions. Right. So yeah, spinal well, flexion and extension is now I mean, we've, we've talked about it with uh, the imbalances like in sport, like what I was asking about, uh, you know, my daughter who's a volleyball player and is constantly hitting right. this way. You know, I played baseball and I took a million swings from one right. side of the plate and not the other. So I agree with that, that it is especially in sport. It's you. There's no way you're going to make it even. <laughs> there's absolutely no way. So um, it is good to. Uh, embrace that. And then you bring up another good point that, um, you know, yes, there are the basic mechanics of a deadlift, a squat and, and all these movements that we do, but because of, you know, anatomy, limb length, torso length, knee length, even within your, uh, your leg, your upper leg, lower leg, those are different lengths for people. So you are going to have these variances that occur because of anatomy and biomechanics of that individual's body um, in that. So, um, yeah, that's a good point with that. H have you seen it in your training 
you know, significantly change what you're doing or how you go about things because of, you know, the more things you've learned? Yeah, definitely. I, and it's funny because what you were mentioning before about those movement guys at your gym, I definitely have experienced that to an extent as well. <laughs> and I like try to purposely catch myself whenever I'm getting into that state and just be open with weird movements sometimes or just you know what I mean like not being flawless or like when I'm getting a bar overhead letting my scapula move around in weird positions like I'm getting more and more okay with that and just being less focused on like brace the core make sure the pelvis is in the perfect position <laughs> depress the scapula slowly control you know what I mean it's like no let's just move the weight and see how it feels now um I've definitely caught myself doing that, but one of the benefits that came from all the knowledge and like going through that process for myself is the ability to um, understand how to substitute more appropriately in my training when it is needed. And this is mostly down to the point of how I'm feeling for the day, Yeah. right? So it's not necessarily around long-term issues, chronic issues like my left shoulder, but it's more around like, how did I sleep last night? Okay, so now I can expect, like I got two hours of sleep because I had to bring my kid to the hospital on Monday. That day, I knew I was going to be at a higher risk of injury because I was so fatigued and my muscles weren't going to be able to contract and my nervous system was all fucked up. Like I, <laughs> I was naturally at a greater risk of injury because of that reduced sleep. Right. And that was like, I framed my expectation that way. And I knew that I was going to likely experience more discomfort because I wasn't well rested. Yep. So I went into my training like that. And I'm like, you know what today? And again, I have that long-term perspective. Like we were chatting about before, like that long game, that's what I'm playing. I was like, I'm reducing the weight today. Yeah. That's, that was my intention. It said, I'm focused on getting good contractions in my muscles and I know that's going to be a challenge. So I'm going to get rid of the ego and just kind of reduce the weight and focus on getting a good burn in my muscles. And that's my main intention through the movements. Now I've done this in many different ways and it's focusing on, you know, the same kind of concepts is like just changing my progressive overload uh, principle that I'm using. Right. So taking away the weights and instead focusing on reducing my rest or adding volume in some capacity, whether that's another set or maybe another rep or, more time under tension, just slowing the reps down. So the, like those nuances to training, the way we apply them in our mobility programming, because a lot of mobility movements are really challenging to add any kind of loading to like external loading being dumbbells, barbells, kettlebells, whatever sure. we've been, we've had to get very creative with progressive overload principles. And that has really helped frame with for me how i can approach my own training in those days where things do get a little dicey you know what i mean that's yeah, that's such a huge point because that you know i'm sure you're the same but i just preach to people so much that consistency is is the number one thing yeah that is going to in everything the most and absolutely success everything. for anything absolutely and so you got to know that that yeah there's days where i show up and like you said whether it's lack of sleep or Hey, maybe life just kind of kicked my ass that day and I'm just not yeah. feeling like I'm up to it, but, but I'm still there. And that might mean backing off the weight a little bit or, or maybe changing something completely sometimes, but it is the ability to just keep showing up. Um, gosh, you know, it's so much easier to keep going than it is to continually start over. And I think that's what people deal with a lot is that 
you know, life is always going to happen, whether it's something external in, in your work or with your family or with your body, you injured it. And if you're constantly stopping and then just starting over, then you're just on this wheel. And as opposed to, like you said, using that, okay, I know I just don't have hundred percent in the tank today, but I got 60% and I'm going to come in and I'm going to give 60%. And that's, that's another day um, that I've, mm -hmm. you know, added and, and allows me to stay consistent. Um, I do that a lot in heavy lifting these days. Um, I just go off feel, um, even if we're supposed to work to a one rep max and at the end of this training cycle, sure, I'm going to put weight on the bar and go heavy, but I might not get to my max or a PR today, mm -hmm. but that's okay. That's once again, I'm in this, I know I'm going to max again. <laughs> so, you know, I'm in this for the long game. So I, I think that's a huge point to bring up of, of using that to stay consistent, uh, which I feel a lot of people fall off a lot of times. Yeah. I mean, that, that whole perspective is so it's again, the word wisdom comes to mind. Like it's, it's only honed in through experience, right? Like, and knowing that the ego is really only going to fuck you up in the long term, And whenever ego is present, it's going, you're going to get brutally reminded that it's not a good, it's and not sometimes, something sometimes you get humbled real quick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's, that's the case, right? Like, that's exactly a prime example of how fucking quick you can get humbled by ego is that you're deciding to go heavy, even though you slept like shit, you didn't approach your training you the way you know, you should have over the last six weeks. And you're still going to try and throw an extra 15 pounds on the bar than you've ever squatted before. You're likely going to have a bad time. <laughs> right so i mean that's just a prime example of how you like how you can get brutally reminded every time or very quickly that the ego is not not necessarily a helpful thing in many cases yeah have you but, ever read uh, uh, you know what henry, you were saying henry is Rollins, that, uh, uh iron iron and soul no i haven't it's it's super good uh real quick i didn't mean to uh step in on you there but um at one point he just talks about the the, you know, the reason why he likes the iron is that, that it's the all knowing it's the, it's the hundred percent perspective giver because 200 pounds is always 200 pounds. You know, you can, mm. he talks about, you can walk outside in the world and people could tell you you're amazing or that you're an asshole, but the weight is always the weight. Like you can think you can so lift it, it. It's going to let you know, or you, you might not think you can lift it and you can, but it, that's just a, such a solid point that, uh, mm. that's, those things will always let you know real quick whether you got it or you don't and or if you've approached it correctly, like you said, or you didn't. That's interesting. I guess that's a great gauge if you're somebody who doesn't really know how to read your body properly. It's like, well, how's the weight feeling today? Yeah. Does it feel yeah. fucking heavy? Like that 15-pound <laughs> dumbbell that you were supposed to warm up with? Does that feel heavy as shit? Then that's a good sign that, you know, something's a little off. Your nervous system is probably a little fried today. You may need to adjust your expectations moving into the actual training protocol. Um, so, I mean, what, one thing that you were saying early on is like, what, if you have momentum, if you've been training for a while, it's easier to continue going. And, you know, those that take a break for a week or whatever, like, I just don't feel like training today. It's always harder to get back into it. And then that, that cycle can just easily repeat itself. And a quote that came to mind that I think could resonate with a lot of people with this is uh, a body in motion will tend to stay in motion. So it's easier to maintain momentum than it is to, and th this is all about consistency, right? So it's yep. easier to maintain that momentum that you've built up than to stop and restart over and over again. Yep. And that's something that like should fuel us is like, well, fuck, 
do I want, and I'm sorry if I'm cursing and, and I do that yeah, a lot. But, um, <laughs> what, a smart, what a smart this episode is explicit. doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, do I want to have to go through that process of struggling hard to get back into this momentum piece again or do I want to kind of just ride that wave and just kind of like maybe take it a little easier today instead of completely taking the day off so I think that's a cool perspective too is that again like consistency is one of the most important things regardless of what you're trying to build or do you got to show up frequently doesn't necessarily mean every single day you should be moving every day yeah. But it doesn't mean you necessarily need to load your body to yeah. whatever extent every single day, but you really should be doing it on a weekly basis for sure. Well, yeah. When you look at long-term athlete development, um, you look at training age and chronological age, right? So chronological age, I'm 41 training age. I've been training consistently for 26 or 27 years now. Um, the, I tell people all the time, like to try to hone in on this consistency thing that we keep hammering here is the, the, more uh, years you accumulate, the higher your training age gets, the less time off will affect you. Mm. I mean, as I've been like mobility, right? If I'm consistent with mobility and movement for a very long time, and then maybe I have, you know, some type of injury that, you know, heaven forbid makes me bedridden for a week or two or whatever, that's going to affect that person less who has been consistent than it is the person who's been sporadic or hasn't been doing it at all. I mean, at this point, I always joke, I could probably take a full month off of strength training and it probably wouldn't affect me a whole lot. Um, now, someone who's only been strength training for a year, they take a full month off, they're, it's like they're damn near starting back at ground zero again. Um, so that should be motivation for people that the more days and weeks and months and years I can accumulate, then the less, if I do have an injury or whatever, the less that's going to affect me um, on my overall levels. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree with that. Basically what you're saying is that you've built up a, a strong, robust foundation, right? Yeah. And you're able to kind of lean on that in some cases. Like if you get sick, it's not a big deal if you take five days off the gym or yeah. you know whatever the case is. Or if you're on vacation, you don't need to stress, oh, where's the gym, where's the gym? <laughs> Yeah. Although you still may be frantically looking for a gym because it's a form of therapy for you, right? <laughs> you don't need it. You're not going to lose your gains. And that's yeah. kind of a tough perspective, I think, for a lot of athletes and coaches to get over is that I'm, I'm usually okay taking some time off and like that week off shouldn't negatively affect my yeah. thought process or my my mental state in a way that is going to negatively affect my training or uh, because it's not going to impact how I feel within a year because I'm, I have that perspective of consistency, right? Like that's yeah. how people should be perceiving it, I think. Um, but that, that goes a long way to just saying like, continue to build that foundation. I love that perspective. I really love that thought where it's, Take the time to build a foundation, focus on the basics, build legitimate strength. And that will naturally carry over into so many different things for the long run and, and give you so many additional benefits that make things so much easier. Yeah. Yeah. I used the example the other day of, you know, if you put a dollar in a jar every day, when you're putting $1 in there, especially in our current society, you can't even get a can of Coke anymore <laughs> for that. 
uh, $1 doesn't, it seems like nothing. Like it seems pointless. It's like, why even bother? But if you do that for a year, you have $365, which mm. once again, might not be a ton of money, but Buys you still accumulated, <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> you still accumulated that because of what you did daily. And I think that's a tough thing for people to wrap their minds around because especially if you have a day where you're just not feeling that great. Um, I remember one time I it just got to the end of the day and I had not got a workout in. I dropped my daughters off at gymnastics. It was snowing outside, but I'm like, whatever, I haven't moved today. So I went and ran around the parking lot um, for 15 minutes. That's where it's easy to be like, well, that what like what was even the point of that? Like, mm-hmm. but to me, it was the principle of the matter that I still made myself move on that day. Um, but that experience in that day helps me stay consistent. So it was while it wasn't much in the moment, that can pay huge dividends later, maybe more from a mental aspect or a mindset aspect. Um, and I think that's hard for people to grasp sometimes if they you know, do something small on some day and they're like, well, they'll think like, well, what's the point? If it's only going to be 10 minutes, yeah. then what's the point? You know, and I, I think they can, if they would embrace that, it would go a long, a long way. Yeah. It's a beautiful example of imperfect action. You know what I mean? Imperfect yeah. action over perfect inaction. <laughs> so 15 minutes in the fucking parking lot, it's not going to necessarily do much for you. Like, right physically necessarily i mean it will definitely help as you've gotten your heart rate up and whatever else like it's a healthy thing to do but it's not necessarily going to take your performance to the next level but again as you said it's it's the principle it's like no i take small action even when the the ideal situation is not possible for me i that's that i love that like that's that's exactly how i try to approach my life too like i wake up at four o'clock in the morning monday to friday i've seen that man you're getting it (laughs) (laughs) yeah monday to friday so every week i'm waking up at four o'clock in the morning and i'm building resources i write blogs i write uh, i create courses like this is what i do and those out those early morning hours are prime for me if i don't get up at four o'clock in the morning I feel like I've I've missed something. It's like there's a a solid opportunity that I have missed. And so it's like really addicting for me to continue to get up at four. And some days if my alarm didn't go off or whatever, or you know, again, I took my my kid to the hospital on on sure. Monday at 2 30 in the morning. I got back home at I don't know, five, yeah. whatever. And so when I got back home at five, I said, instead of going back to bed like I was exhausted. I'm going to put half an hour into a blog or a blog. Yep. And it's the same kind of concept. You can carry that over into so many different things. And I think it's so such a valuable, valuable perspective to have is like uh, perfect in action. That's what it is. Uh, no, sorry. In, <laughs> imperfect action over perfect in action. That's yeah. what it is. Uh, it's super solid. I mean, it, it, I think sometimes we throw out these quotes, like something is better than nothing, but I don't think people really embrace what that means. Like something is better than nothing. <laughs> I mean, I mean right. taking 30 minutes to work on your blog was better than taking zero minutes to work on it. Yeah. I mean, you, I, mean that, you know? I, I was able to finish that blog article, whereas that would have went another day being unfinished. Yeah. Right. So yeah. it's that same, that same thing. It, it takes you further. And that just comes down to consistency. Again, you're showing up and doing a little bit, you're still moving the needle. And yeah. that's, what's most important. I think is like that needle gets moved forward and your ideal situation that you are chasing, you still have, you still had that opportunity to fight another day 
with yep. the process, right? Yep. And 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 as we said earlier on, that's where the majority of that dopamine is is through that process. Yep. So, you know, in the moment, it's fucking hard to do. It's like I'd rather <laughs> it's snowing outside, it's slushy in the parking lot. I'd probably rather just not do that. But yeah. at the end of once you finish that fifteen minutes, you're like, that was fucking sweet. Like, you, yeah, you feel nobody else was out there. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> you know. Yeah. It's it's cool. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's good stuff, man. Um, looking forward to, uh, we're going to do a kind of a series on that. So today we kind of dove into training and, uh, we're going to get into some mindset and coaching and programming stuff on some other episodes. So, uh, yeah, man, good having you on. And, uh, we'll, you know, we'll look forward to, to doing another episode here pretty soon, man. Yes, sir. Thank you so much, man. Yep.